Um, what I do want to tell you, though, is I was getting some feedback from some listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, turns out my mom is a listener. That's fantastic. That's really what I want. My Hi, mom Ryan's loves mom. me. <laughs> she thinks I'm doing a great job. Um, but no, our listeners. I think I, I made I, that joke in the uh, first episode that it was my mom that was listening. Turns out it's your mom. <laughs> it's my mom. My mom's listening. Um, no, um, I did get some feedback from our listeners. And uh, and they say more Marvel. They want more Marvel, Michael. Really? Marvel nonstop. We're gonna have to change the name of this podcast. Are you are you fucking with me? To the the Marvel hot take time machine. I think uh, is what we're gonna have to do. Um, twenty four hour, twenty four hours, seven days a week. Marvel conversation nonstop. Like the Fox I don't believe you. I don't. I don't believe you. Tell them to put it in the reviews. You want my you want I my Hulk takes. You want my my Iron Man three is the best Iron Man takes. You want <laughs> that one will blow up on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, more Marvel. No, of, of course, of course, that's not the feedback. And I know, I know, you want to get away from Marvel, but hey, that's our son. That's our our son of an MCU universe. Like, what do you want? What was what was the actual feedback that you received? Oh, I received no feedback. That was a bit. Oh, great. Fantastic. <laughs> Do I really got to be the asshole that says we got in this thing and went back in time? It must be some kind of hot tub time machine. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Hot Take Time Machine. I'm Mike Adibo, and with me is my co-host, a young carrot top type, Ryan Trepanier. <laughs> um, excuse you, that's a young ice spice type. Uh, now that I've learned who that is, <laughs> well, ice spice is already young, so I mean, sorry. Well, man. I'm an old ice spice. Then uh, that's fine. I'm I an old ice that. spice type. A young carrot top type. Ice spice is much cooler than carrot top. I'm glad we agree on something. Yeah, well, you know, we made it. <laughs> so, how are you doing, Ryan? I, I'm I'm great. Why did you drag me out here? What are we doing here? I did bring you all the way out here um, to discuss uh, coming of age films. As I understand, this is a uh, this is a soft spot for the two of us. So, really excited to get into that today. Yeah, I don't know about you, Michael, but I honestly can't think of a like a motif, a genre, whatever you want to call it, um, that that makes me more excited uh, about film. It, you tell me a story is about a thirteen-year-old boy or girl, you know, learning things about themselves and and struggling with elementary school or high school. I'm in. I'm in every time. Definitely, and I'm really I'm really excited to get to that. Um, but first. What have you watched lately? Well, uh, I'm hoping we're going to get to talk about this again. But I, I saw Fast X. I am one of the uh, one of the millions and millions of people who saw that on opening weekend. And uh, Jesus Christ, uh, I understand why the writers are on strike right now because Chat GPT is taking over jobs 
as we speak, there is no way that a human wrote that script. Yes, uh, the world's it, first AI generated movie. Maybe even AI generated directing. Like, I wonder how much of that movie was actually influenced by a person. Um, if you can consider Vin Diesel even a person, that that movie. I haven't seen it yet, but um, I will probably stumble, find my way into a theater uh, watching it. And I'm looking forward to it because these movies seem to get more and more ridiculous and I keep paying for them. So, yeah, don't don't get it twisted. Like, it's ridiculous. It's horrible. And you're going to enjoy every two hour and 30 minutes of it. Like, it, it's it's God, that's a long movie. It is. It's it, it's. It's about an hour and a half too long. So, Ryan, you watched Fast X. Um, it's It seems like a recommendation uh, for the most part. Oh, yeah. 100, <laughs> 100%. See it in IMAX. See it in D-Box. Like, whatever you can. But, yeah. It, like, it's a recommendation, obviously, if you like the other. Like, if you can accept the trash. But other other than that, like, it's it's a horrible movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's <laughs> hey, really top hard, dollar. Right? Yeah. A top dollar, but it's a it's a horrible movie. You're gonna have a great time though. Horrible You're gonna movie. have a great time. It's a three hundred million dollar budget version of the room, basically, right? Like, wow. Uh, sell me harder on that, please. <laughs> um, but I watched something new last night, so I mean, my my movie intake this week was not the best, but I did start a new TV show. So Ryan, as you know, I love. Um, I love the Nathan Fielder style of comedy, um, like Nathan for you, the rehearsal, things like that. Found a new show that's kind of in that same sort of vein. As far as I can tell, it doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with Nathan Fielder. It's called Jury Duty on Amazon. Have you heard of this before? I have heard of this. I, I, uh, I actually listened to a, a really cool interview with the creator and the star of the show. And uh, I'm not a fan of these things in general, but it sounds really, really interesting. And listening to them talk about the making of this thing was incredible. Yeah, we, we've we only watched the first two episodes so far, but it's shaping up to be a really funny, uh, fantastic show. Um, I won't say too much because it's better to go in blind, but it's it's good it's a good time definite recommendation for me like um yeah go ahead so. i mean you can you can edit this out michael um but like if you like mockumentaries this is a mockumentary essentially it's 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 a prank it's almost like a just for laughs prank where yeah, yeah. everyone is in on the joke except for this one person yes which and and the fact that they've created this entire environment just to prank this one person, it's pretty incredible. And I mean, I guess this isn't really a spoiler because you can find out from the trailer, but James Marsden is like a part of the prank <laughs> yes, as one yes. of the he's he's one of the jurors and he plays like this version of himself who's just like super self-important and he's trying to get out of jury duty. And there's this really funny moment in like the first episode, I think it is, where uh, the main guy who's not in on the joke is like, do I know you from somewhere? And James Marsden is like, 
listing off his acting credits and he lists uh the sonic the hedgehog movie and the main guy who's not in on the joke is like oh i heard that movie was a piece of crap (laughs) (laughs) it's really good fantastic show uh huge recommendation for me but i do want to get to our main topic today which is as we've just established coming of age movies so uh, Ryan, for the listeners at home, can you define what a coming-of-age movie is? Well, I feel like we could spend 45 minutes on this if we wanted to. We won't. Don't do that. We Don't won't. Do that. <laughs> well, so the way I think of a coming-of-age film, I think it's slightly different than what you think of it. For me, it is a movie that focuses on a child becoming an adult. Um, that's a very simple a simple way of doing it, um, whether it's because of some sort of knowledge that they've learned or an experience that they've gone through, but a character changes from being innocent to, to no longer being innocent. Um, you know, the classic example of a coming of age tale is obviously the lion King as Simba. You went for the top of the list. I see that note right there. You motherfucker. Simba, like, literally comes of age in The Lion King, right? Like, he he is completely changed because of something that happens. His innocence is lost. Um, obviously, this is not what we think of when we think of coming-of-age films. But, yeah, like, you know, child becoming becoming not a child. Maybe not necessarily an adult, but, like, this exit from childhood. I really hate you for starting off on the Lion King note. Um, Use folks, that anger. <laughs> folks, in the prep for this show, we we compiled a list of some of our favorite uh, coming-of-age films. And Ryan threw a, kind of a curveball at me, Lion King. And I guess, by all, I'll, I'll admit, by all metrics, measures that we have talked about and we're about to talk about, Lion King, I guess, technically is a coming-of-age film, but it doesn't sit right with me for some reason. That And that's no slight against Lion King. I love Lion King, but it, I've never thought of it as a coming-of-age film. I feel... I, I I don't know. I That just... <laughs> that just awakens as part of my mind that I, I feel... I don't know. I feel like a an older person who just found out about like <laughs> diversity or something. I'm like, <laughs> Michael <laughs> angry. The second song of that movie is called, I just can't wait to be King. And then he becomes King. Like this is literally, he, he literally transforms in this movie. This is a textbook definition. Lion King coming of age. You're welcome. You I will Michael? table that. I know. I just said, I don't okay. have anything against the Lion okay. King. Okay. I just never thought of it as a coming of age movie. All right. Fine. You got me all fired up first thing on this episode. Um we'll come back to that in a second. But to go back to your definition of a coming of age film, I I for the most part agree with you. The I think where I don't necessarily agree is that a coming of age film has to be about a child becoming an adult. I think that and as we'll see on this list, uh, you can expand that definition to a teenager becoming an adult, or in some cases, an immature adult becoming 
a less immature adult. I won't say completely immature, but I think um, the thing that makes these movies coming of age is uh, it takes you from it takes the main character from one stage of their life to another. It's a very transformative story. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I want to get let's get into it right now, because you made me watch a movie last night, Michael, and uh, I... I didn't make you watch it. It was like <laughs> it was a strong suggestion, but well, go on. you you suggested I watch a movie last night that you wanted to put on the on this list. Francis Ha, a 2020 uh, 2012 film by Noah Baumbach. Um, Starring written... friend of the show, Greta Gerwig. Starring Greta Gerwig, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Like, um, I was super excited to see this film. I I I loved um, Noah's last. Well, I didn't see White Noise, but I loved um, Marriage Story, and I love Greta Gerwig. Um, so I was super excited to see this film, and I loved it. Um, Black and White was a really cool choice for that film. Um, it was really uncomfortable, not super fun to watch necessarily like this. You're right. Like this immature adult is an absolute mess. And, and I, I didn't really like her. I am not sure this is a coming of age movie though. And, and so like to paint, to paint this movie with the same brush that we're going to paint Lion King with. Well, don't don't bring me into this. There is no we for the Lion well, King comparison. I, I just, you know, for me, like I see, I see your point, right? The character is learning something. The character is becoming something, but like that definition sort of opens up a whole can of worms. Like, is the intern a coming of age story about like seventy nine year old Robert De Niro, like learning how to live his life? without his his widow is up a coming of age story about carl because he is growing into something new well i'm gonna stop you right there i think the the hard like delineation between those films and francis ha is that francis is still like a young person i think that she's 27 yeah a story that takes place in your 20s as a 20 something that's still a period of growing up i know not all of us can be as great as you, Ryan, and have everything all figured out <laughs> by their late 20s or whatever. But for a lot of people, their their mid to late 20s is still a period of growth. And I think that's why that movie resonates so well with so many people. So you define coming of age as as growth, as, as a period of growth. Growth for young people, yes. Okay. Okay. I mean, like that's a that's that's fair. That, like I I can accept that it's a little it's a little broad for my liking, and it includes like hundreds and hundreds of more movies. Um, but yeah, that that's fair. Um, I just don't get the same thing from Francis Ha that I get from like I don't know. Uh, we're gonna talk about a bunch of these, but Turning Red. Let's. Let's 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 talk about turning red for a little bit because I think turning mm-hmm. red is like a quintessential coming of age film. There is no there is no gray area here. It is purely a story about coming of age because it's literally about someone metaphorically having their first their first period, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so, like, and, and another movie I just saw recently, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, right? These are movies literally about puberty, about going through a stage of physical and emotional development. Um, and, you know, what, what Turning Red makes you feel is, like, you know, empathy for this character, sympathy for them. Uh, it's it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. The relationship, like, that... Um, uh, uh, I forget the character's name. I'm terrible at this. But the 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 daughter the daughter mother relationship is incredibly awkward, and you know we've all been there. Um, to compare that movie to something like Francis Ha, which is about this you know 27 year old, 28 year old who is trying to you know achieve her dreams and all that, it's just really tricky because I I get different feelings. Is I don't it? have the same. Is it that tricky though? Because I mean, like Frances Ha has has come of age. I think it's a has she though. I don't. I think. I think sure. Physically, you could say she is pretty much an adult at that point. But I think there's an emotional. I guess you could say if we're talking in terms of puberty or adolescence, there's an emotional development that hasn't happened, and that's what that movie is about. And that's why that story is being told because she looks the part, but she does not feel the part. I think a better comparison instead of comparing a movie about, I think um, in Turning Red, uh, the main character is like 12 or 13, something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Early She's in teens. like seventh or eighth grade, right? Yeah. Instead of comparing a character in their early teens to a story about someone in their mid to late 20s, do you still see that same separation for a movie about a character who's in high school, like uh, let's say Lady Bird or uh, perhaps Breakfast Club or Booksmart, some of these other movies that are on our list? Yeah, so so those ones, I, I totally still see them as coming of age. Like I don't, I'm not defining coming of age as literally like have you gone through puberty yet? But I think the proximity to these things um is really important because you know when you're a teenager or when you're a preteen i feel like you're not as responsible for your decision making your decision making is not there yet you are going to make mistakes and that's accepted and and we as an audience aren't gonna you know we're not gonna blame you or fault you for making mistakes i didn't watch turning red you know, getting really mad at the main character's decision to lie to her grandma and her mother. Like, of course, this is what she chose. She's not thinking about things logically or rationally because she's a 12-year-old. But when Frances Ha goes around just being an absolute fucking mess, it's like, at some point, I'm like, like, girl, you got to get your own life together. Like, you are 27. You are responsible. Exactly, though. That's but... kind of the point, though, is like, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm, I'm surprised that you can't see the similarities I... between these two types of characters. Like, well, Francis can... is, is very immature in a lot of ways, and that's why the story is being told. And that's I, I, just because just because we haven't had this type of story being told, I think, and a good reason why Francis Ha is on this list is because we don't have a lot of coming of age films uh, for people in their in their twenties. And it's a big reason for that. Come of age. Hold on, Ryan. And a big reason for that is because 
back then so it's or some of these movies you know around the time that that they were made you know coming of age was mostly seen as like oh they have to be children to to teenagers and perhaps this is a symptom of the time that i grew up in you know not to bring up our age gap again as as we so do often on this podcast but there's a thing that a lot of millennials go through uh growing up in this time where they do feel delayed in their development where we were always told growing up 18 is when you move out or whatever and you're off on your own but we live in this world where we're not able to hit those milestones that we've been told to and that's why a movie like Francis Ha is so powerful and i think why it does deserve to be included in this coming of age thing and i mean i would also point you towards another movie that's on the list but i believe you haven't seen yet which is the worst person in the world which touches along those same lines like i don't disagree that these are good movies i just i i i guess i'm just balking at this giant umbrella like you're asking like why don't we have coming of age yeah you don't balk at a movie about a lion being yeah, a because he's of a because he's a young lion who's like, an anthropomorphic like, lion. I can appreciate metaphor, all right. I also I also metaphor. like the movie about the the panda. I, I you know like she's I still just, human for part of it at least. Yeah, she is. Yeah, <laughs> um, not the good parts, but uh, <laughs> I, like I, yeah, I know. I, I like I'm 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 you know I'm having trouble. I'm really interested um, for our listeners. I'm interested to hear like what they think about this. You know, do they like the more general definition of coming of age, or is it something that you experience in a you know in a pretty tight window of like you know ten to eighteen or something? Because like I agree with you, Michael, because I am a millennial, and you know, despite my um, you know my fantastic position now and and how I am today, like. I am a delayed millennial too, right? I I didn't move out when I was 18 and and have a job when I was 20. Like I I've experienced all these things, but like I I don't think, you know, I I don't view my own time as like 14 years of development. I view it as different stages of different development. My coming of age didn't last 14 years in my mind. It so was let me just, let me ask you this then. Do you think that this movie, Francis Ha, deserves a different title apart from coming of age? Like, what would you prefer it to be labeled as? Well, like, I think there is a whole other category. And I don't know if some smarter people than us have done this. But this, like, this young 20s malaise movies that would include, like, some fantastic movies like the um, Before Sunset movies. Um, and it would include things like the worst person in the world. These movies about twenty somethings, I feel like they they do exist in a slightly different space. I like. I think you know, that's a I, little bit unfair though, because the the title, the label, is coming of age, you know, and it doesn't give a specific age. I mean, I, to go back <laughs> to your earlier point about the intern. And um, I can't remember the other movie that you'd mentioned. You know, maybe they can be included. Does a coming-of-age film have to be about youth? Can't it be just coming into the age that you feel and that everyone is telling you that you're supposed to be? 
maybe that is what a true coming of age movie is. Well, and okay, now so your goal is to like open this up even more. The thing is, like every character, like characters grow in movies. So you know, let's not let's not call everything coming. Yeah, but coming of, I, age. of course, yes, there there's character development in a good share of movies, but are all movies about this one phase of the character's life and them you know transitioning into another phase not necessarily i just think i just think you end up discounting a lot of these great movies not if you if you if you limit it to just oh it's about like a child or a teenager you know we're not like <laughs> i think it's it's a state it's a state of mind oh my god okay <laughs> that is such a such a gen age is a state of mind like oh no 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 don't use the gen z word don't we're do that. creating we're creating fake we're creating fake categories anyway but like if the category means nothing then what are we doing here right like if everything is a coming of age story because a character i'm not is saying learning everything is themselves. a coming of age story that's something that you said you were saying oh well then we have to include this movie and this movie and that well movie. It, with your parameters of a character growing into themselves like characters grow into themselves in like most movies no i, most I called it a, a transformative process you know in francis Ha, she starts out one way and by the end she is a different way and she learns the hard way that she has to grow up that's i think that's kind of the key is like the character is growing up as long as they're growing up i think that is coming of age i think i think we'll have to disagree we'll agree to disagree on this one i i think great um, podcasting material well i mean I, I mean i can keep going at you michael but i just the more you widen it the more you lessen like you you lessen you lessen it for all the other movies right? i just like, want i just want to hear what you think francis ha is if not a i don't of know the film. word for these 20 something malaise movies but as i already said like, like i it's these like, like if if francis was aged down a little bit like if she was 23 24 would you consider it a Fran uh sorry a coming of age film is it just her age I, is that what sets her apart i think it's really hard to call something a coming of age story when we're in college when we're like when we're past college right like like there is that like college movie and and if you think about some of the best college movies i actually don't know a ton but like there is a huge difference between college movies and and high school movies and I think that's intentional because in high school movies you're dealing with children and in college movies you're dealing with adults, literally. But see, okay, to go back to kind of the beginning of this of this conversation, I think that Francis Hall would be a much different movie. And again, this is not me trying to widen the category or whatever. I'm not trying to do that. But I think Francis Hall would be a much different movie if she started out acting her age, she had her shit together right i think yeah. the point again is that she is emotionally immature that is something that francis shares with the character in uh, the worst person in the world yeah and I, the I, movie is about their emotional growth they're growing into uh the age that they should be or the 
they to the emotional point that they should be at to yeah, in order I, to be a young adult. Michael, I don't I don't disagree with any of that, but but growth is such a general thing. So here here's a great example that I can think of. I'm like there are a million, I'm sure, but think of a movie like um Bridesmaids, which I love. I'm sure you love it too, right? Bridesmaids is good. Bride just good? Is that your <laughs> is that kidding, your hot I'm take? Kidding, I'm kidding, oh my I'm god. I'm so kidding. Bridesmaids opens with a woman who whose life is just utter shit. Mm-hmm. And and she she doesn't know what she wants. She's immature. She she absolutely burns out in the most spectacular way possible. And then at the end, she learns what she wants. She grows and her life kind of begins again. We are not going to sit here and argue that Bridesmaids is a coming of age story because I will not have that, Michael. But what you're describing is exactly the same thing as Bridesmaids. And I'm not adding Bridesmaids to the list. Why not? I <laughs> like I, I just you know again I'm, I'm gonna like I, I'm I might have a um, might have a heart attack on on uh, you know it's funny though I I just googled just to just out of curiosity to see sure. what else is out there there actually is an article in the Guardian about bridesmaids being a coming of age film. <laughs> Great, that's that's fantastic. And I mean, like, fine if if we if we submit to this general, very very general that I hate uh, definition that it's about a character growing and becoming more mature, then yeah, of course, bridesmaids, Francis Ha, uh, the, uh, the intern, up, like we we got lots of these. It's great, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, for me, for me, it's it's linked. It, it's it has to be linked to childhood. Does it have to be though? Because okay, what do you consider? What do you consider childhood then? Because some of these movies on this list do not feature children; they feature teenagers or I, I would argue. Young I would adults. argue. Well, see, I would argue that like teenagers are children. <laughs> there's there's my hot take for today. <laughs> teenagers are children. Until mm. you can drink alcohol, you're a child. <laughs> like that's my that's my line interesting Um, interesting uh, i think i mean look we can (laughs) decide to put a mark in the sand here if we want to but i'm i'm happy i think you can you can make the case that there are coming of age films that specifically focus on uh like high school or primary school middle school whatever you want to call it there there definitely is that kind of subgenre. i think that Francis Ha, when it came out, it was very fresh and new in the sense that it did tackle this kind of, and you you even said the word yourself, millennial malaise, right? That a lot of millennials feel and perhaps even some Gen Zs feel, right? And I I think with time, we might see a little bit more of that because there's a lot of movies, most of them that have come out in the last 10 years that, and TV shows too, that tackle that uh that period of development your 20s this time when you feel like you should be adult an adult but everything around you is telling you that you're not quite an, an adult and i feel that it's i still feel that it's kind of unfair to exclude those movies from coming of age so until we get some kind of label that describes those films in a better way 
I'm willing to keep them as coming of age films. I mean, I'm happy to talk about things like Francis Hot. Like, like so the fact that we got to talk about this movie um even a little bit is, is great. Like this this was a great movie. It's it like Greta Gerwig was fantastic as the as Francis. Um it's just you even I, get a the, pre-Kylo Ren uh, Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, we do. And he, and he's great, obviously. <laughs> he's he's such a shithead, like an utter shithead, but like yeah, he's so great. Um, you know, the last shot in the film is just it's so it's so simple and good at the same time. Like Noel mm-hmm. Bombach is genius. Um no if it, you if you liked Francis Haw. Um, and this goes for any of our listeners too. I do recommend checking out The Worst Person in the World. It is a foreign language film, so there's subtitles throughout, and it is quite long. It's almost three hours. But if you enjoyed Francis Haw, if you like the vibes that Francis Haw is on, you'll also like The Worst Person in the World. I'm a little concerned about the runtime because, so Francis Haw, we haven't said, is 85 minutes long, which is just fantastic like we need more more movies like that and it never felt too short like when that movie ended i wasn't like oh we need more the way that that movie is filmed everything is happening so quickly it it, kind of gives you like whiplash and anxiety the whole movie long Um, so big difference um from the worst person in the world which definitely takes its time um but the movie is split up into chapters so okay. you you get these very uh, book-ended parts of the main character's life and what she's going through at any point in time. Um, so it doesn't move as quickly. That structure feels very different than Francis Ha then because like Francis Ha is just a chaotic mess, which I'm sure is intentional because that's what it feels like to be 27 in New York. Yeah, the main character in The Worst Person in the World is... Uh, it's still a chaotic mess, but it's a little bit more subtle than uh, Francis Ha. No, no, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean Francis the character. I meant the movie. Like the movie is just like, oh, like see. things are happening, like like characters are being introduced. Like there's there's no like fluidity or or narrative like arc to it, right? It doesn't feel like A B C D. It yeah. doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. Um, so the idea for worst person like being, you know, bookended by chapters in this nice structured way is is a, an interesting contrast to the just like spaghetti at the wall Francis Ha, but not in a bad way. Like I don't mean like No Bombback is just throwing ideas and hoping they stick, but he's throwing all the good ideas knowing that they're going to stick. You just don't know where they're going to be. Like it, yeah, yeah. No, I I love Francis Ha. Like 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 it's on the list. Um, um i just it's 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 not what i think of and and that's my only you know that's my only thing if i if you took a person if a if a stranger came up to you and said listen i'm dying in 3 hours and i want to watch a a coming of age film you're getting lying my, king <laughs> to prepare Sorry, for my imminent death um and you showed them Francis Ha as like your pick. I don't I I don't know if they would turn to you and and be like, you know, like that was that was a coming of age story. Like would they would that be accepted? Like 
if you asked me for a Christmas movie recommendation and I said Die Hard, even though Die Hard is a Christmas movie, it's not what you were probably Ryan, asking for. Ryan, you got to put a hot take on that. Come on. Die Hard Come is on. a Christmas movie. What? Do we need a hot take that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? You got to put it. I, I'm just saying before whatever you're about to say next, put a hot take on it. Put a hot take. The, 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 well, fine. Hot take. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and everybody knows it. That this is the, the coolest hot take ever. This is but just a take. Weren't you? Wasn't your point going to be that Die Hard, even though it's a Christmas movie, if someone asks you to put on a Christmas movie for them, and you gave them Die Hard, I wouldn't like, give them Die Hard because that wouldn't that wouldn't appease what they're asking for. But I'm going to watch Die Hard every Christmas. Like, you can watch Francis Ha all you want. Just don't tell people that it's, you know, this great coming-of-age story. Because you so might upset. do you not see any irony in you maintaining that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yes. However, you wouldn't give it as a Christmas <laughs> recommendation. Correct. But then Francis Ha is not a coming-of-age film. Oh, no, no. I'm accepting. Uh, no, in this version, I, I accept that it's a, a coming-of-age story. But I wouldn't recommend that. Like I wouldn't call. I wouldn't tell people to watch it as a coming of age story. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? As, as long as you consider it a coming I will, of age I will, film. I, fine. I consider Francis Ha a coming of age. You let's, win. Let's put a pin in that. I, I love that. <laughs> and I got it. And I got it on video and audio. God, podcasting is amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna stitch that sound into uh, just you I'm win. Make that my you alarm win. clock. <laughs> Okay, so as I said earlier in the episode, we do have a list here that we've started of our favorite coming-of-age films. Um, I figured maybe we could go back and forth picking one uh, film each from this list and you know, give a little bit of context as to why we love them so much. And Ryan, I'll hand the floor to you to go first. Wow, this is hard. Um, we we have a lot of great films on this list, um, and I think I think that's what I noticed. There aren't a lot of stinkers, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna pick one um, that we've both seen. Uh, this one was pretty pretty important to me when I was younger, and that's Juno. Juno is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic movie. Um, that gives us is that the first time that we see michael sarah um it wasn't the first time for me because i know him from arrested development and and arrested development is before juno oh yeah absolutely okay yeah. okay okay so um so we have elliot page and um michael sarah like i i don't think i have to recap juno do i um that, <laughs> I that a, good. <laughs> a teenage pregnancy this movie, this movie has all of the quirk um, that I think we see from, you know, even films from like like Francis Ha. There's a lot of quirkiness to this movie, um, and it really captures how awkward it is to be a teenager, and just amplifies that by adding pregnancy into the mix, uh, like a teenage pregnancy. Um, J.K. Yeah. Simmons as the father, and I want to say. Who's the mother? I feel like the, um, is it, Jennifer is it... Garner, or no, she's the the they're adopting, but um, her actual mom in the movie. I forget who it is. Uh, I want to say it's um, it, it's not Francis McDermott. Um, 
my goodness. Well, anyway, uh, J.K. Simmons is the father. Gives like such a such a low key, fantastic performance. This movie's hilarious. It gives us like some great music. Um, I mean, obviously, Elliot Page. Elliot Page's like breakout performance. I want to say. Yeah, this is the one that gave Elliot Page their uh, their start. Yeah, so I mean, just just incredible stuff. I think I was a bit older when this came out. Uh, I want to say it was in like my late teens, early early twenties, maybe. Like, how old is this movie? Like, fifteen years or so. Oh God, two thousand seven. Wow. Two thousand seven. Wow. So that's sixteen years. So yeah, I would have been uh, I would have been like nineteen. So this is like kind of perfect, right? Like in terms of uh, like where it hits me. Um, I just went through high school. I, you know, I understood the awkwardness. I felt the awkwardness, of course. And um, yeah, I, I, great script, hilarious. It's one that I don't really revisit that often. And I think me it's neither, because, actually. Like a lot of these films. So the, 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 the paradox is if these are good, accurate, sincere coming of age films, they're not fun to watch because coming of age is not fun. <laughs> right like it's 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 awkward it's uncomfortable it's a weird thing i think the older i get the less i feel like revisiting this film because so yeah. much of it is like oh wow this is it, it feels very real uh, very authentic and kind of kind of scares me a little bit you know yeah 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 100 percent. i mean you know we don't have to worry about teenage pregnancy anymore <laughs> um so that's that's good um but uh one one thing i do want to add about juno that's really cool um i think this is kind of the first time we see uh the type of character that juno is really start to pop up in in movies um mostly like you know independent film um but we start to see this like really talkative smart witty uh type of female character start to pop up and i feel like a lot of that is owed to juno yeah no you're 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 right like juno juno has all of the autonomy there's no juno isn't a puppet or anything like that no i i agree with you completely and you know does a movie like book smart even exist without juno that's true right? and a great segue into uh book smart um, are you are you picking Booksmart? Wow! That's... I mean, I didn't want to. I mean, not that I didn't want to. It wasn't what I had in mind, but I would like to talk about it a little bit. Um, so, Booksmart is uh, Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut. Yeah, um, fairly new movie. I think it only came out in the last like three, four years or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, just a really funny movie about two uh, best friends in high school who are basically trying to um, make the most of their high school experience at the very last possible second, the last day of high school. And, you know, hijinks ensue. They go to, they go to all the parties. It happens over one night. If you've seen Superbad, to be honest, you know the plot of this movie, but it still hits. It's still a great movie. Um, still hilarious as well. Um, ironically enough, to make another connection between this movie and Superbad, um, uh, I think her name is Beanie Feldstein. That's uh, Feldstein, Jonah Hill's. Beanie Feldstein. Sorry, is Jonah Hill's sister. So there's like a spiritual connection between those two movies. 
Are are you ready for a hot take, Michael? Lay it on me. Booksmart is just a superior movie to Superbad in every single way. Oh shit! Oh shit! And and maybe maybe it's not fair to compare them because this movie is what like seven or eight years old, uh, newer. Uh, it has the benefit of having a female director. Um, I I love this movie so much more and i felt it right away as soon as i finished it i'm like oh yeah this is what i wanted super bad to be is there anything you can point to specifically that you love about book smart more than super bad i like the character like i maybe it's just me but i i i like the two characters that we have to follow especially um uh caitlin dever's character I, I i don't know names very well like like we've learned this amy amy is caitlin dever's character um you know i i relate to them a little bit more than uh jonah hill and, and the idiots that are in they're in <laughs> super bad i hate these people so much like if i saw them on the street i would turn and walk the other way i think hate is a strong word um I mean, you're that's that's totally fair. That's you know, that's your opinion. I don't, I don't. <laughs> that's it's just hard like for your me, opinion, man. <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man. Um, it's hard for me to pick between those two movies. I, I feel like I love them both equally, um, uh, and that's fine too. I can't, I can't really say if one is better than the other. I will say that you know when I watch Super Bad. Like I was at that age, you know, or at least close to it. And it just like, it was so influential in a lot of ways. Like I remember people quoting that movie in school for, for years, you know, and I still love watching it. Um, it's endlessly rewatchable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're both great films. <laughs> that's great. I'm a that's pacifist. A, that's that's a hot take. Hot take. Super bad and book smart. Great films. <laughs> that's that's what you come here for. I'm a I'm a pacifist. Look, that's I'm fair. trying to I'm trying to cool off after that uh, Francis Haw <laughs> segment. Hey, you won. It's fine. Um, yeah, I I I don't. I guess. Um, I mean, my my thing with super bad is I just I really don't like Jonah Hill's characters. Um. It just kind of reminds me of the kid in school that I hated all the time. And and it's really hard. It's it's just it's not his fault. It's not the movie's fault. It's it's a personal like thing that I rub up against. And like honestly, I the only movie I can think of that I like Jonah Hill in is um Moneyball. Because he's not playing really? he's not playing an idiot. Like really? even even in well, even in twenty well in in twenty one Jump Street, I guess I actually don't mind him that much because he's he's the smart kid. Like he is, whenever he's playing the the class clown or the loser, I hate him. I hate him so much. Um, he was that the is, worst part of Don't Look Up. I feel like he, that's a major hot take. I maybe I don't know. I, I feel like the beloved Jonah Hill Hollywood haters. darling. Jonah is, Hill? is he is he Hollywood? I'm, I'm just quoting. Uh, I'm just quoting. Uh, this is the end, which I'm sure you don't. Like. Oh, I, yeah. No, I did not like that. I did not like that. Um, I don't like him in the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm just going through his uh, 
going through his filmography here, I'm like, I don't, well, I don't like him in any of these movies. This like, is not this is not an episode about Jonah Hill. No, although it's not I would like about, us to return to this at sure. a at a later date. All right. Um, but I mean, there's I mean, apart from Jonah Hill, there's other parts to love about Superbad. I mean, you've got Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as the, the bumbling <laughs> cops. <laughs> you've got McLovin, uh Christopher oh, McClasse's debut. <laughs> not gonna I, get into it i mean even michael sarah like is michael sarah watching michael Cera's, movie. yeah he's good he michael sarah thumbs up he, i like him it's fine uh there but some, jonah hill ruined the entire experience for you it really did yeah at least too wow. much jonah too much jonah for me interesting i like well, uh the amount of Jonah I want in my film is uh, his role in forget it, forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's how much Jonah I want. Can you even remember his part in that movie? No, no, no I, I remember. It's just uh, I'm just I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised. I didn't expect you to hate Jonah Hill this passionately. Uh, well, you told me to use my anger and I have targeted towards Jonah. The movie that I did want to... Um... Uh, I did want to take a moment to talk about um, is another one that we've both seen uh, the perks of being a wallflower uh, another incredibly well different from the the first two movies that we talked about in that it's not really a comedy movie um, it's a little bit more dramatic um, but just a really fantastic movie that I think captures a lot of things about high school and growing up incredibly well. Um, I also might be a little bit biased because I read the book at a very formative stage in my life and it left a lasting impact on me. I'll be honest, Michael, I can't really join this part of the conversation because while I have seen this movie, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I, I don't remember a second of this film. Is that because you didn't like it? It was forgettable? No, no I remember liking it. Uh, no, when you get older, um, you tend to lose <laughs> your memories a little bit more frequently. Ah, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> that's what you have to look forward to. Um, awesome. No, I remember being excited because Emma Watson was in it, right, from Harry Potter fame, of course. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I do remember seeing it. I do remember liking it. But that's that's all I got. And I'm watching. I am uh, silently watching a trailer. And it's not giving me. It's it's not refreshing anything. You're just like I. I watch this. What is this? <laughs> uh, maybe I didn't want. Like like that's. I'm at the point where I'm like, did I did I see this movie? Because I feel like I remember nothing. Well, I think it's worth a rewatch. Um, you know, it, it's it's a movie that's a little bit like quieter a little bit more subtle i almost want to say in its themes and uh what it's doing uh definitely worth a watch if you are a coming of age fan yeah no i i, I will i'll go back to this for sure i i do like these these kinds of movies and uh emma watson paul rudd like where do you go wrong i mean ezra ezra miller uh, uh but apparently they're doing much better I don't know. Uh, that could also be Warner Brothers brass uh, 
trying to clean things up before the flash. Yeah, I was gonna say, wow, what a what a coincidence that they're doing better <laughs> right before the launch of a very very important movie. Ryan, over to you. What what's another movie on this list that you would like to talk about? Well, okay, I'm gonna do something that I didn't tell you I was gonna do, um, but you do have the list here. The next movie I want to talk about is not a movie at all, Michael. <laughs> So I, I I wanted to sneak this one on here. There is a television show, Never Have I Ever, um, which is a uh, it, it like it is a perfect coming of age uh, story. Um, and granted, I'm actually I've only watched the first season. I think there's three seasons now, um, and it follows this Indian American uh, girl and the. Uh, the episodes are structured in a way that each each episode is titled "Never Have I Ever." And then, this is this is a Mindy Kaling show. I've, how have I yeah, never heard of this? This came out like during the pandemic, I think, uh, right. or like like uh, like right right at the beginning of it. It's it's fantastic. Now, <laughs> here's the here's the logline. This is a story about an Indian American teenager, narrated by tennis legend. John McEnroe. It is the. I kind of love that. It's 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 such a hilarious choice. I don't even know what John McEnroe's voice sounds like, but I kind of love that. <laughs> he's like he's an old white guy narrating <laughs> narrating the plight of this fourteen year old, fifteen year old Indian girl, Indian American girl. It is it's incredible. Um, the show's hilarious. It's everything that you want in in a fun uh sort of uh you know sitcom-y kind of thing it yeah. it's definitely coming of age like it's literally titled never have i ever right it's it's about doing these things that they've never done um mm. definitely give it a watch like I, I that's basically why i wanted to bring this up um selfishly i wanted to promote this one this is a fantastic tv show that people like yourself michael might not have even heard of and it, it's Ryan's it's great. on Mindy Cowling's uh, payroll. That's why he's been honestly. Uh, I'm pretty sure I love everything that she writes, with the exception of uh, um, Velma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a miss. Uh, you know, we're hey, we're man. all allowed. We're we're all allowed to make mistakes. Um, no, th- I, I think it's I think it's fair to include TV shows as well. Um. I'm surprised I've never heard of that one, but while we're at it, a TV show that came to mind as you were explaining that, and I really hope that you've seen this show. I'll be very disappointed if you haven't. Sex Education on Netflix. Oh my goodness. Like, come on, Michael. Of course I've seen this show. This show is incredible. And you know what? I I can't believe I forgot about it. I I I didn't even think to put it on. Um, Fantastic show. I love Sex Education. It is hilarious that third season i what i think it came out last year like 2022 is that Uh, that right does that sound right that sounds right yeah yeah oh no it it came out in 2021 actually wow that's a time is time is crazy um (laughs) that third season was one of the best seasons of any show that i remember in recent memory like just every character got their shine even again even the the characters i didn't really care too much about before um just wonderful storytelling 
um, and very emotionally moving as well. Um, and I forget her name. I think her name is Emma Mackey. Uh, Margot Robbie lookalike Emma Mackey is incredible oh, in that as show. Maeve. And as Maeve, yes. Yeah. And I yeah. hope that she has uh, a great career. I mean, all three of the leads are incredible. I hope they all have amazing projects um, going forward. Um, yeah, just fantastic show. I, I can't say enough about it. I like I like how this this show is like very real in terms of you know what it talks about. Like there there's an episode where um our main character, I forget his name, uh, Otis. Otis accompanies Maeve to an abortion clinic, right? Like he yeah. he you know that's what the episode is about and it's not played for laughs. It's it, <laughs> I, I <laughs> rightfully not played for laughs. Um mm. But the show is still funny. The show is the show is always still funny, and it's always being real at the very same time. And yeah. you know, some of these some of these that we're mentioning are a lot of fun, but not necessarily super authentic. Um, and then you know, perks. Some of these are very authentic and not a lot of fun necessarily. I feel yeah. like sex education, um, you know, walks the line between the two and is a pretty perfect combination of both. I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, just uh, the more I think about it, the more things I remember I, lo I love about this show. Um, it is very authentic. It handles all of its topics with a lot of grace. Um, one thing that really was really touching to me is, you know, the episodes, I think it was a couple of episodes where Eric uh, goes to Nigeria, I think. It yes, is. yes. And like, for me, as as a Nigerian man, like to see that on screen and like the way that it was done, it wasn't done like in a weird stereotypical way. I mean, just to even see that kind of representation on screen, like that that was that it was just so well done. I loved it. Um, another character that I'm thinking of, and his name escapes me right now, um, Adam. Adam, the uh, the guy who starts out as the bully in the first season, my God, what a great character progression to go from, you know, someone that we should hate to like, I'm rooting for him every time now. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, like Adam's storyline is a perfect example of like where the show could have gone wrong because when and when he first came out as gay. I was a little like, oh, wow, they made the bully, the gay guy. Like, that is a very, like, overused trope, uh, mm -hmm. I think, right? Like, that the, you know, the bully is just bullying you because he's also gay. Um, but the way that the, the, the show took the time to really go through, like, his relationship with his father and his parents and you know like how much he hates himself and how that's projected onto other people it was it was fantastic like yeah i yeah. yeah i i agree like you don't flip a switch i think with adam like you you hate him for a lot of the time and and you slowly warm to him when you realize like why he's doing what he's doing like obviously doesn't forgive him being a bully but you can see him like actively trying to redeem like who he was yeah, and um, really speaks to Adam's, uh, I can't remember the name of his actor, but um, 
his acting in the show because Adam doesn't say a lot. He's a pretty quiet character, but you see and understand like all of the emotions that he's going through on screen. Um, Just, yeah, fantastic storytelling. And you mentioned his father too, who season three gets his shine. Uh, He's a character that we should hate, but you're rooting for him. Like, this is a show about people. It's not a show about characters. It's a show about people. And there are yeah. no villains. There are no heroes. There's well, just... there, there's there's villains, but um, they're inconsequential. You're, they're not. They're just there to kind of fuck shit up, uh, for lack of a better term. Well, are I guess you're referring to like the new, the new uh, principal, right? Because yeah, that's the only yeah. one I would call a villain in the in the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, everyone, everyone is like very nicely rounded. Um, ah, I love the like I love the way they portray the relationship between Jacob and and Jean, um, Otis's mother. Um, Mike. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, I'm just remembering more and more about the show. If you haven't seen Sex Education, like this, this is it's not the best television show ever, but it is pretty perfect in terms of what it's doing i can't yeah. think of a better teenage high school drama comedy than this show yeah uh, there's a lot to love there um we might have to do an entire sex education episode at this point well um, when when season four comes out maybe we'll do like a like a a catch-up we'll do a catch-up for people yeah that'd yeah. be a lot of fun as we were talking about um sex education another show came up um, that I want to bring up because I feel like it's sometimes nice to talk about things that maybe we didn't like so much. Um, Ryan, are you familiar with a show called 13 Reasons Why? (laughs) Yep. Yep. I have, uh, I've seen, uh, I've seen season one and I watched episode one of season two. That's all I needed. Oh, so you you spared yourself. <laughs> I well, there's only one book. The the, the show ends. Doesn't the show matter. Ends at the end of the book. <laughs> like, one book, four seasons, baby. <laughs> like, that's oh. what we call. That's what we in the industry call a cash cow. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I'm I'm embarrassed to admit I probably liked the first few episodes. Like season season one was interesting. I don't think there's any shame in saying that the first season of of the show is is pretty good. It's not yeah. like amazing. But it's, it's solid. Pretty good. It's yeah. problematic. Like like people have pointed out, there are a lot of problems to mm. to what the show is saying about suicide, what the show is saying about sexual assault, and things like that. Um, there are some very troubling scenes that they decide to put in there. Um, but yeah, I I was. I binged it. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie here. I probably watched it in two days. Um, yeah. No. Season one. Season one's pretty good. Like you said, it's solid. Um, is it season two that? Well, I guess you wouldn't know this, but why is there a season two? That's that's my like. She's already dead. <laughs> like, what are we doing? So, uh, I think if I recall correctly, <laughs> season two, Hannah's actually still in it, but she's like a ghost. That only only Clay can speak to. Um, oh my god! And it's kind of just going. I think it's going through like just the repercussions of 
everything that happened in season one. So like there's still kind of a connection to the first season. But season two ends on this really weird note uh, where one <laughs> of the characters is uh, it's hinted that they are preparing to do a school shooting. Well, no, is it? No, no, that's the end of that's the end of season one. Is that season one? one? Is that that's season the one? end of season one. Oh God, I just I don't know all the with like the, the bomb show, or so. Yeah, yeah, the I show know just exactly. bleeds together. It's so bad. Yeah, it's, that was yeah, a he's, weird note to, to he's, end off. He's on. the weird, um, like he's the peeping tom. Um, yeah, it just uh, yeah, garbage, just absolute garbage. It's it's playing on like you know the like the flavor of the week, like what's what's popular right now. Yeah, no, a horrible show. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to look it up right now. How many seasons did we get? Did we actually get four seasons? Am I, I certainly hope not. We did get four seasons. Oh my goodness! Well, I will not be catching up. Okay, so season one ends with um, potential school shooting. Season yep. two that doesn't actually end up happening. Oh great! Um, okay, and then good. it's just everyone's dealing with the repercussions of uh, season one, and then season three is um the the main high school jock bully guy um is like on trial for sexual assault and it just i mean it takes a weird turn from there i'm gonna spoil it i don't care oh, uh, no please yeah he fucking he dies <laughs> great <laughs> and then season four i'm i'm having a hard time oh season four um clay I don't know. He he's like being blamed for the death of Bryce and another student, and he's dealing with all that. And Hannah is like Hannah Baker is like nowhere to be found after like season two. So season three and season four are essentially fanfic at this point. <laughs> so bad, so unbelievably bad. Yeah. And then I think if I remember correctly, one of the characters gets like hooked on heroin or something. It's just like it it, it honestly became like torture porn at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, I well, yeah, I mean those movies—they're like trauma porn, right? Like like trauma porn. Yeah, that that is a that is definitely a genre that sort of I would argue Netflix really popularized. Um, I think there there are a few of these shows that sort of fit within this like. Let's make all the worst things happen. And I would argue like Euphoria is a little bit like that, but it's just done in a much, much better way. It's it's um, stylized. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Like there, there is a direction to Euphoria and it's not about the trauma porn, even though it absolutely is trauma porn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like these are not meant to be real. This is not what high school is like. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's just not, these are not authentic. And, these and kids I are, think, if I recall correctly, these kids are rarely in class to begin with. <laughs> exactly. There is, there is like zero adult supervision at all times with these kids. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's really what I want from my coming of age stories. I want authenticity. I want, I want an experience that feels real, um, that feels like something I lived through or something I've seen someone else live through, whatever. And that kind of leads me into the last movie I want to talk about, if that's okay with you, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Because we like segues here on the show. 
And <laughs> you like this. I think you like this movie as much as I do. But eighth grade is one of the best like debuts I can think of. Bo Burnham, this like 20 something year old, lanky, awkward young adult who sings about the most offensive things, the most, <laughs> the most correct things. Like this guy is a weirdo. He's hilarious. And he makes this absolutely authentic, troubling story about being in eighth grade that we follow this, this young girl in eighth grade. Um, in a way, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Francis Ha in terms of like the way that it's shot. It, like there, there's there's definitely like this indie feel to the movie. This this um, this film language that's going on. Um, obviously, it's it's a bit different, but we don't get a lot of we don't get a lot of these stories about elementary school, right? No, especially not done in this way. And if I recall correctly, I think eighth grade was actually rated R, uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is a story about being in eighth grade for adults. It is not right. for eighth graders. Eighth graders should not be watching this movie, right? But this is a this is a movie to reflect on what it's like to be in eighth grade and just like that pool party scene. I, I I still think about the awkwardness of that pool party scene and the discomfort of like being in your bathing suit surrounded by people. It, it's just incredible. I, I cannot say enough good things about eighth grade. A24 film that I, th I think we've talked about it briefly. I'm sure we've Very said the briefly. title. Yeah, we've said the title eighth grade on this on this show before. But um, if you haven't seen this movie, and, and honestly, you probably haven't seen this movie. Like, there are, are not a lot of people that saw this movie. Eighth grade is incredible. Shout out to a friend of the show, Bo Burnham. Um, great, <laughs> yeah, fantastic movie. Um, really captures, I think what, what's really amazing about the movie is, you know, neither the audience nor Bo Burnham himself were in eighth, are in eighth grade, like, recently in recent memory you know like we were in eighth grade at a time when you know there wasn't a whole lot of technology because social media is a big part of the plot in this movie uh the main character wants to be an influencer and you know we didn't have that growing up right but regardless the fact that it's set in like uh, it's contempt it's set in a contemporary setting and Bo Burnham is able to speak to all these themes and feelings and things that we ourselves have all universally felt as preteens is amazing. Um, and I think it just speaks to his talent as a, as a comedian and a storyteller. Um, honestly, he probably used some of his own uh, experiences, you know, getting his start on YouTube uh, as a place to mine for uh, what Elsie is going through, or I don't think her name is Elsie in the movie, but in real life, her name is Elsie. Sorry. Uh, Kayla, Kayla Day is her character's name. That's right. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a, it's an incredible story. I, I find it really interesting that, um, that Bo decided to, 
like like to have a female protagonist, right? And like your recommendations, Francis Hoff, female protagonist, right? We're we're talking a lot about women in this mm. coming of age story. Which kind of brings me back to an earlier point I made. Does this all begin with Juno? I yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point. Like, does Juno really lay the like is Juno the thing that, that made like boys and men also comfortable seeing these stories like are boys and men enjoying these these stories and i i mean i think like you know we like these like our list is definitely more stories surrounding females than it is males um for sure um but yeah maybe maybe juno is the reason we have all these great movies or maybe we are so like focused on just the last 20 years and we're forgetting like a 1967 <laughs> film that paved the way for for young adult women everywhere i don't yeah know. I'm, I'm sure there's some uh cinephile somewhere who's <laughs> punching the air right now how could you forget how could you forget this john luke goddard film <laughs> yes um yeah I, eighth grade eighth, eighth grade is great but again as i was saying earlier this is another film where it's like I'm not going to revisit this a whole lot because it's not fun. It's too it's too authentic, it's too true, it's too real. I don't like it. <laughs> like, like this is not a fun time for, you know, for growing. It is not fun to be uncomfortable and unsure in your own skin at the age of 13. So, that was a nice fun trip down uh memory lane or maybe it was a traumatic one uh depending on how you feel about these movies but um i do want to do a themed okay boomer segment today um so we've been talking a lot about you know school like elementary school uh secondary school as well um and you know there is a little bit of an age gap between us ryan uh we were in, in school at different times but I want to see just how big that age gap is. So I have a list of things here um, that are very familiar to me as someone who went to high school in the uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, maybe for the listeners at home, you can let us know uh, when you went to high school in the 90s. Wow, rude, rude. I, I didn't catch that. Um, no, actually, that's a funny, it's a, well, I shouldn't say funny story. I started high school in September 2001. Oh, my God. So 9-11 was the second week of high school for me. Damn. So take that, all you pandemic babies, all you all you people <laughs> who went to high school or university through pandemic we we went through a terrorist attack on America, and uh, we're still we're, we're still strong for it. Greatest generation. Yes, and as we all know, Hot Take Time Machine, uh, both the hosts are located in America. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're Canadian, of course. But um, yeah, so uh, 2001 is when I started high school. 2001. So I started high school in 2008. So uh, seven-year gap. So let's see uh, what sort of things have remain the same and uh, what things you have no clue about okay so first on our list here uh dystopian fiction was pretty big uh, i mean i'm sure you've encountered these but yeah I don't like know 19, if it, 1984 yeah. um brave new world 
no, what? never mind, never mind. Not the same dystopian fiction. <laughs> oh, you mean like Hunger Games and yes. and yeah. <laughs> and Divergent? Um... <laughs> yeah, I read the Hunger Games when I was in university. <laughs> I love that you started off it. Oh yeah, of course, 1984. <laughs> that's what all the kids are reading these days, right? <laughs> I mean that's that's the OG. Like, what are you talking about? Read I, I, I know it, I know it's the OG, but I don't think like thirteen <laughs> year olds are seeking out uh, Orson Welles books. <laughs> um, do you know what YOLO means? Yeah, uh, you only live once. That's yeah. I, I think that's kind of a layup, you know. That yeah, I got it. Entered the mainstream. Um, do you know what a silly band is? A silly band. Yes, a silly band. Is that like is that like a brand of like necklace or bracelet or something? Uh close, yeah. It's uh there are these colorful rubber bands. Um they came in like various shapes, so like dinosaurs or whatever. Okay. Um, and you wore them around your wrist. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh lots of lots of celebrities wore them too, according to this article. Um Next one, a personal favorite of mine. Um, when I was in high school, this one was just getting started. Jersey Shore. Yeah, I know of Jersey Shore. I have never watched an episode. I is it is it the, was there an SNL skit that makes fun of the? I, I'm Shore? sure there was. I'm like sure the, there was. The, ooh, is the ooh what you say? Mm, what you say? Isn't that Jersey Shore making fun no. of? No. No, oh. that's uh, that's the OC. Oh, I I thought they were okay. So uh, I feel like those are the same things, right? The the OC and Jersey Shore. Yeah. No, not no. not even there, close. There, there's no relation to those two things. Those two things absolutely be more, not more further apart. I hope you're upsetting a listener right now. You think I'm upsetting a listener? <laughs> you're upsetting a listener. <laughs> you think that the OC is the same as Jersey Shore? The OC, feel... the OC is a teen drama that takes place in Orange County, California, whereas Jersey Shore is a reality show about Guidos in New Jersey. Oh, Jersey Jersey Shore is a reality TV show? Yeah. Oh, I you did not know that? know that. No, I didn't know that. I thought oh it was a scripted God. show. I thought that was a scripted show. Okay. My, my, okay, my bad. Okay, boomer. That's, that's fine. All right. Um, Jersey Shore, great show. Uh this might be a hot take or maybe it's a cold take i think it's one of the greatest shows ever made for a lot of reasons i will not get into on this episode why <laughs> the sigh that you let out just now do you um, are you aware of the movie the odd couple uh yeah is that steve martin and Oh, or is it Chris you, you Farley? Just, you just, you've just alienated our our seventy and eighty year old audience. Oh no, we're no longer a four quadrant show. What, what will we do? So the the Odd Couple. Uh, there are a couple different versions of the show. Uh, or if it was a TV show. It was a movie. Um, Nineteen sixty eight with Jack Lemmon and Walter uh, Matthau. <laughs> so I'm assuming you haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> Uh, what gave that away? <laughs> um, anyway, we're we're the odd couple, basically, is is what I was getting at. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, next on our list, the Harlem Shake. Um, I feel like I've heard of it. I I couldn't tell you what it looks like. It's a dance. 
Um, right? Yeah, it's like a dance kind of like. Like um, a move, like like twerking, like it, like if no, it's not really the dance that's the focus of it. It was kind of like a, a a trend, like a video trend. Uh, people would um, would uh, so th- how the videos would sh- would start off. There's a song called the the Harlem Shake by uh, Bauer, who's like an EDM DJ, and the videos would typically feature like one person dancing in a regular environment. And then as soon as the drop in the song comes, then you'd have a whole bunch of people doing a lot of crazy shit along with that one person uh, who was dancing. It's kind of hard to describe unless you see it. I, I doubt that I've seen it. That's, but I was aware. I was aware it was a thing. That's okay. It's uh, it's really, it's a relic of the past. Uh, funny story though. Um, so when I was in first year university, uh my floor actually did uh i think we did the first harlem shake by canadian university and i think it's still up on youtube too you can probably find it if you're if you're savvy enough and i remember uh tons of people recognized us from that video and we were getting kudos from everyone on campus and we were so fucking stoked about it we felt like little mini celebrities with our (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with our dumb video that was that had like I don't know I think it got it got up to like I think I want to say seventeen thousand views or something wow. and we we monetized it too and we got we made like thirty bucks off of it and we partied <laughs> that night thinking like oh my god we're get we're gonna be famous we're gonna be on Ellen you know <laughs> that's funny uh, it, it didn't work out because you know I'm doing a podcast now so. <laughs> uh or this is what it, yeah this this is the fame that you have been vaulted into okay i got another one here this is a good one does do the words coney 2012 mean anything to you is that like uh like who is running for a senate senate seat in 2012 nope not even close <laughs> so coney 2012 was a viral uh, YouTube video. Uh, it was like a little documentary about this uh, militia militia leader in uh, Eastern and Central Africa. He is a war criminal fugitive. He's killed and abused children in uh, those parts of Africa uh, and was basically leading a child uh, army. And this documentary was about him. And then... Um, it was kind of like a call to arms, right? So the idea of the video was let's make Coney, Joseph Coney, the most famous person on the planet. And there was uh, a date listed in the video and everyone was supposed to plaster their cities with uh, these posters that you could uh, conveniently buy from the website in a kit for like 30 bucks. And it was supposed to be this cover the night thing. And for some reason, everyone felt compelled to share this video. And it was kind of like the first example I can think of, of like internet activism, <laughs> even though it wasn't like effective, the internet activism that I can think of. Um, and everyone was on top of this thing. I remember seeing people with uh, Coney 2012 t-shirts and sweaters. And the Cover the Night event was supposed to take place, I think a month or two later. Um, needless to say, it didn't take place. I think it just kind of 
ran out of steam i think people kind of realized like hey what are we actually doing here do we does anyone actually understand this um also and i don't remember if this happened before that cover the night event was supposed to take place or not um but a little tidbit the guy who created that documentary um was actually arrested one day because he took pcp and um was running around naked in the streets that's fantastic that is a <laughs> that is a great way to end that yeah so coney 2012 um is joseph coney still out there i don't know maybe we'll have to get him on the pod yeah a friend of the show joseph coney. <laughs> that'll be our first guest <laughs> um okay I do have another one. I think the Coney 2012 thing would have been a great place to end it, but this one just came up. We don't believe in ending things in the right spot here at the Hot Take Time Machine, so we're going to do one more. I want to see what your experience with this one is. All right. Burned CDs. Were you still burning CDs? I had a gigantic four-sleeve... thing that you zip up full of burn cds of like music that i could play in my car and in my like discman um i had like a boom box that i could play music in yeah i had so many burn cds even into like the late 2000s i also used burn cds for quite a long time but um when i was in ninth grade i think it was i did get an mp3 player um which had a whopping storage of 512 megabytes yeah that's tons tons <laughs> i thought it, i thought it was i thought it was amazing i had like 90 songs on there that's incredible that's I, thought like, was, I thought it was incredible that's like six cds <laughs> that's that's hell that's yeah fantastic <laughs> hell yeah Oh, actually, this is a good one. Um, Ryan, yes. what's your experience with MSN Messenger? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I, I have tons of experience. With, uh, so now you're picking stuff that is that is old, not new, right? Is that what we're doing? I remember. So I don't know if you're young, uh, old enough to remember this. Like, did, did you use MSN as a kid? Yeah, MSN Messenger was still popular from middle school to about like early high school okay uh, but then there was like a hard transition to uh blackberry messenger sure yes so so there was like like we would we would change our usernames to like a song lyric or something um <laughs> Hell it, yeah, like, dude. It, was, it was all the rage yeah i loved msn are you kidding me like even even to predate that was icq i don't know if you know or you I... icq I know what ICQ is simply because I'm a fucking computer nerd, but no one, no one my age used ICQ. Yeah, uh, MSN killed ICQ for sure. Did you ever? Um, did you ever have a crush on your MSN Messenger's friend friend list? Oh, of course and I did. You I... would, you would switch from online to offline. You would like. I think there's a setting where you could change your status for that one person, or maybe you block them and unblock them or something to make so yourself that, to get them to notice. <laughs> you. So one thing that you might not know about me, Michael, is I didn't, nor do I uh, have I ever 
have any game, zero game. There's no playing the game. Um, I can be manipulative, but not not in that way. <laughs> like, I, no gameplay for me at all, zero. So no, I did not do that. You didn't do that. I did not do that. That's too much that... gameplay. I don't think you needed to have a game to do that. You just that's, that's gameplay. That that's gameplay. You're the only I'm person not... that's going to see this. <laughs> Did you ever put a song lyric that maybe uh, kind of uh, Hell speaks yeah. to what you felt for that person? Hell yes, all the time. I mean, honestly, I get... So I'm also a Facebook user, Michael. You know this. I get, like, memories of, like, what I posted 15 years ago. And, like... I really cringe a few times. Like, I cringe a lot. Like, ugh, is this what I was like, like, 15 years ago with, like, oh, song nice. lyrics or movie lyrics? Maybe. You know what? I think I got an idea for a future segment, Michael. We're going to we're gonna take our, our user or our listeners back through the hot take time machine back 10 years 15 years ago to ryan's facebook status updates <laughs> and see what a dweeb he was when he was 20 so we can uh, uh I, think, I, I think we'll have to do that i appreciate you uh sacrificing your dignity for us listeners and me um like that i won't be doing that because uh, <laughs> my facebook is way too cringy for that um but yeah, that was that was a fun. I think that was a fun. Okay, boomer segment. Uh, how do you feel about it, Ryan? Uh, that was great. It was great. Um, so just just a timbit, uh, just timbit, timbit. A timbit. <laughs> Here here's a sneak preview of a future segment. On this day, thirteen years ago, in quotation marks, being a jock and part of the Glee Club does not make you versatile. It makes you bisexual. End quote. Yeah. That's all I wrote. That's all I wrote. How how old were you when you wrote that? That's that's a lot of insight. I was twenty two. It's twenty two. Ah, see, I you're, was Francis hawing it. You were Francis hawing the fuck out of Facebook. <laughs> My God. Oh, well, that seems as good of a place as any to uh, end today's episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all of you who have been listening to the pod and enjoying it um you know keep the feedback coming keep the uh keep the listening coming let's pump those numbers up um last i checked uh i think we might have overtaken the other hot take time machine podcast i think we finally come up first when people we're number us. one we're number one we're so number make- one we're <laughs> number one um make sure to follow us on the socials we're httm pod um on instagram we have a TikTok. HTTM pod everywhere. Um, yeah. Instagram, Instagram TikTok. HTTM uh, pod at gmail.com is our um, uh, our email. And we're also on Letterboxd. Uh, I don't know if we're HTTM pod there. I will make sure that we are. But uh, <laughs> I, I hope we are because that, that, that would just be bad branding. Um, I'll figure it out. I'm not the I'm not the savvy one um but uh we are on letterbox if you want to follow along some of the stuff that we're mentioning um that's another way to interact with us well take care everyone um and we hope to see you back here next time bye, bye.